If you have your Bible, I want to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 2. And, and uh, we'll not be long this morning. And the people of God said? Amen. Amen. And uh, uh, you guys laugh. And Daniel, he kind of tried to throw me under the bus the other night and said he had seven points to his lesson. But they weren't Pastor Greg points. But I heard he actually went long. And so, uh, see, that's what you get when you try to, try to use me as the punchline. But uh, anyway, I appreciate you teaching. And uh, Daniel uh, and his dear wife were here years ago on staff. And I'm so thankful that they're back. And appreciate that, Daniel, for stepping up for me. And uh, looking forward to what the Lord's going to do in the uh, future. Through our special time of music... The reality is that uh, we have been reminded again, once again, how incredible God is. Amen? How just incredible Jesus Christ is. He is the hope of the world. Amen? And uh, they talked about a thrill of a hope. And when we think about it, what's interesting in Bible study, uh, we, were, we were seeing some visual images of uh, those shepherds who were out in the field watching over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord shown round about them and, and talks about in Luke chapter 2, they were sore afraid. They were, they were scared to death. I, I guess we would all be scared if we were in pitch dark watching our flock by night and then all of a sudden the light, the, the skies light up and the angels shown round about. But you got to remember something when you think about the story of the angels appearing to the shepherd. It had been 400 years. Think about this. 400 years of waiting. These people had been waiting for a sign from God. And you think about the Bible, it tells us in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4 and 5, it says, when the fullness of time was come, God actually sent his son, made of a woman, made under the law. But why did he do that? Verse number 4 tells us that he sent his son and he made him under a woman, under the law. But why? Verse number 5 tells us the reason. To redeem them that were under the law. To remind people that the law was nothing more than a schoolmaster until Jesus showed up. Amen? And so he says to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And last Sunday we talked about the importance of being an adopted child of God. And the beautiful thing in the Jewish culture is that you had more protection as an adopted child than you did as a uh, physically born child. You could never be disowned, and you had all the rights and privileges of being that child. Truly, when I look in Scripture, I'm reminded that Jesus' birth, this sign that we talk about, was the sign of hope coming into the world. Amen? Think about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ from a worldly perspective. And guys, if you'll show it, Merriam-Webster defines hope as a desire accompanied by expectation or of a belief in fulfillment and in someone or something on which hopes are centered. However, I want you to look at what a biblical hope, a biblical hope takes it a step further by suggesting a confidence. If you're here and you've trusted Christ by faith, you have a confidence that one day you will be with our Lord and Savior. Amen? A biblical hope takes it a step further and suggests a confidence, uh, an assurance connected to this attitude or expectancy and watchfulness. And so biblical hope is a hope that's real. Biblical hope is something, my friends, that you and I can bank on. Why can we bank on it? Because biblical hope is based, it's simply based on the promises of God's word. 
I know it's based on the promises of God's word. We ought to get excited about that. Oh, my friends, the world is watching and waiting, but we who are in Christ Jesus have a wonderful, wonderful thrill of hope. During the special music, I was putting my notes together the other day, and I I thought of this song and had no idea of its connectivity with the musical because, to be honest with you, I have not heard those songs until today. Okay, so a lot of times I'll listen ahead, but I had not heard the songs today. But the other day I was thinking about the song that was actually part of the program this morning, um, and we know the familiar lyrics of that Christmas song, Oh Holy Night. And so that was part of the thing in it. And it reminds us that uh, a world without Jesus was and a world without Jesus still is a world that is steeped in sin and error. It's still a, a world that's steeped in sin and error. In fact, let me remind you of some of the lyrics. I think they've put them up for you. Long lay the world, I wrote down, in sin and error pining till he, who, till who? Till Jesus, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Man breathed in, God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living what? A living soul. And so, until he appeared, uh, the, the, the song says, and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. Why were they weary? Because they were without a Savior. Oh, listen. We can, get, we can get busy doing all the things uh, during the Christmas season. And without Jesus, I can assure you. By the way, I'm just going to tell you, in my 55-year-old body, sometimes I get weary anyway. Let me tell you. I'm just going to be really transparent with you. Oh, by the way, everybody, uh, the cardiologist said that I have a, a good heart. So praise the Lord. My wife could have told him that, but, uh, you know, they wanted to do the test anyway. So we praised the Lord for a good report, and, and uh, I thought the numbers weren't that great. And he said, well, for your, this is how he got it, for your age, you're doing pretty good. I said, what's that mean, for my age? And uh, I said, what's that mean in about five years? We'll check it again. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, we praised the Lord for that good report. But I think about this thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices why? Because yonder breaks and a new and glorious morn had dawned. Oh, 400 years of waiting and all in an instant when the fullness of time had come, Galatians 4 says, you know what that means? That means at the right time, at the right time, at the exact time, at the appointed time, God sent his son, amen? Not beforehand, not afterhand, but at the exact right moment. Can I tell you? That's exactly when he's going to come back. We celebrate his first advent during the season of Christmas. But I don't know about you. I'm excited about his first advent, but I'm really excited about the seven second coming. Amen? Soon and very soon, he's going to break that eastern sky. Oh, man. What? Man, you know, I know Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep as those who have no hope. But then he talks about, there's coming a day when Jesus is going to break the sky and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord in the air. Woo! And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I don't know about you, but that kind of gets me excited. You say, well, I'm scared of heights. Get over it. We're going to be with Jesus. I don't, I don't, that platform's a little too high for me. I like to keep it down on the left. Listen, get over it. We're going to be with Jesus. Amen. 
Oh, we ought to get excited. Oh, listen, when God sent his son into the world as a new baby born, as a newborn baby, can I tell you, as we were talking about last week, he didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. He sent Jesus into the world so that the world might be saved. Oh, we gotta, we gotta, we got to look at what the Bible has to say and, and kind of throw everything else aside. There's a lot of great men and a lot of great women teaching stuff that has nothing to do with God's Word. we gotta, we got to listen to what thus saith the Lord. He sent His Son not to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. Look with me in Luke chapter 2, and if you're there or when you get there, drop down to verse number 25. And as you're getting there, what I want you to know that is in verse number 22, at this point of the story, Jesus has already been born. You've already heard the musical, A Thrill of Hope. Jesus has already been born. He's come into the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So that's already taken place. He's into the world. And so in verse 22, the Bible points out that Mary and Joseph, in keeping with the law, are actually bringing Jesus to the temple to present him. And so this is based on the, the Levitical rites of purification. You can read all about that in the Old Testament. And, and uh, so if we do the math, at this point, Jesus is probably about, in earthly days, he's probably about 42 days old. And so here comes Mary and Joseph, and they're bringing Jesus to the temple. It's an incredible picture if you really think about it. Mary and Joseph are bringing God the Son to present him back to God the Father. That'll blow your circuit breaker in and of itself. And so, so they're bringing God to present God back to God. That's crazy to me. But anyway, let's, let's read. Look at verse number 25 and following. And as I'm reading this passage, here's what I want you to do. Knowing what we know about hope. See, see there's different kinds of hope. There's a hope so, maybe so kind of hope. There's a, I, I feel hopeful. I feel hope. Guys, I'm going to be real honest with you. I, 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 I shudder to say this, but I feel hopeful. I feel hopeful. You see, I'm wearing burgundy today. Last week I told you God even loves the lowly cowboy fan. I feel hopeful today that maybe the Washington football team might pull out a victory. But that's, a, that's not biblical hope. That's a, that's a hope so, maybe so hope. A feel good hope. And guess what happens? When those things do not come to pass, you know what we typically do? If we're basing our life on that type of hope, then we walk around with our lips stuck out all day. We get angry and we slam cabinets and we slam doors. By the way, if, if the Washington football team loses, then they lose. I, guess what? You know what? I'll go to bed and I'll close my eyes and I'll get just as much sleep as I would if they win. So see, we got to understand the difference between that and biblical hope. And so look with me in verse number 25. And as you're listening, I want you to look for signs of biblical hope. Verse number 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, speaking of Mary and Joseph, brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace 
according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face. Watch what he says. Of who? Of all people. Notice he goes on. It says, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul as well, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, And she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow now of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Did you see it? Did you see hope throughout this passage? I'm talking about a real hope, a biblical hope that we find in Scripture. And folks, here's what I would suggest. A life devoted of, of devoted hope to God is all that really matters. In fact, yesterday I was talking to the men and I said, listen guys, I said, if you want to be wise, then we have to walk by faith. If you want to be wise, then you have to purpose in your life to worship God. And if you want to be a wise man, then you have to worship, you have to exercise faith, no matter what's taking place in your life. It's all that matters is pleasing God and honoring God. This is the whole duty of man. And so we see this hope realized in this very short passage of Scripture, a devoted life of hope to God. But sadly, there were some people then, and there are many people today, who misplace hope. They put it in different categories. And I put some notes down, and I think about those then in Scripture. I think about the Pharisees and the scribes. These are ones who actually devoted themselves to the performance of religious duties. The religiosity, if you please. And their hope was in trying to keep all the commandments of the law. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody in this room ever been able to keep all the commandments of the law? And neither were they. But this is what their hope was. Their hope was, hey, if I do this, if I say that, if I go this way, if I don't do this, if I do this and I abstain from this and do this, then, man, that's where my hope is. No, they needed Jesus just like we need Jesus. I think about the Sadducees. I had a Bible professor who said they were sad, you see. You see, because they devoted themselves to political power. There's a lot of people today that devote themselves to political power and gaining influence. And that's what the Sadducees, their hope was all based on the here and now. But it didn't fulfill them. In fact, I remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 20 and verse number 25 Remember, he said unto them, he said, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar, and unto God the things which be God's. And so I think of the Sadducees who were placing their hope in the here and now that was just to fade away. It was not an eternal hope. It was not an everlasting hope. I think about the temple merchants. We have merchants today. We have businessmen and businesswomen, even in our midst, in here and online and The temple merchants devoted themselves to the pursuit of a good living. Now, I don't know anyone among us who doesn't say, Hey, pastor, I'm just trying to make a good living for my family. 
In fact, we were talking, Brian and some other men, we were talking yesterday about providing a good living and we were talking about insurance and other things like that. And I, so I don't know anybody who doesn't set out to provide a good living for themselves and their families. But you see, that's what they had devoted themselves to. They had devoted themselves to the pursuit of this good living. And so their hope was based on what money could buy. If I, if, I, if I earn enough wages, if I care for my family in this way, if I have a nice enough house, if I have a nice enough car, if I have nice enough clothes, if I have this or that or whatever, and that's what their hope was based on. But I think about what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 36 where he warns you and I even today not to put our hope on the accumulation of material things or wealth. He says, for what does it profit a man if you shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. You see, we have to be careful with this thing called hope. Oh, a weary world rejoiced, right? Their thrill of hope was found in Jesus. However, when I look in Simeon and Anna's case, without ever saying it actually, without ever saying it in Scripture, the Bible actually reveals that both of these individuals lived lives of devoted hope in God. Look at verse 25. Verse 25 tells us that Simeon was a just and a devout man. And so in other words, as a just man, he's someone who regulated his conduct according to the word of God. Let me tell you this. You want to be just today? Regulate your conduct according to the word of God. You want to be known as a just man or a just woman or a just young person? You want to have a good reputation as far as the things of God go? Then regulate, learn to regulate your conduct not on what the world tells you to do, but what God tells us to do. This is what Simeon did. He was a just man. He was also a devout man. The Bible says that he was a man who had fully consecrated himself to God. But notice in verse number 25, because here's where hope comes into play. Because verse 25 also says that Simeon was a man of waiting. He was waiting. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for the promised hope of Israel's soon coming Redeemer. He knew that a Redeemer had been foretold. He knew that a Redeemer had been promised. And so he was waiting for this Redeemer. And if you look at the very next verse, in verse number 26, our text actually reveals that Simeon's hope was steeped, as I said, in confidence. He was confident that Jesus was going to come. I'm confident, whether the prognosticators agree or not, I'm confident that Jesus is going to come back. And he doesn't need me to agree with it even if, I, even if I wasn't confident. It's not changing it one iota. He will return just as he came. When the fullness of time was come, God sent his son the same time. At the exact moment, at the right time, when God ordains it, Jesus will break that sky and he will return. Oh, my friends, what a wonderful promise from Scripture. And Simeon has a confidence because, look at verse 26, because the Bible says that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, had actually promised him that he wouldn't see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. And so now when we consider Anna, look down. Anna, from just a few verses, we've got verse 36, 37, and 38 that we're really looking at Anna. And just from a couple of verses of Scripture, I know that Anna was someone who at one time, she was a woman who at one time hoped that she would have a long life of love and happiness with her husband. She had gotten married from her virginity. You see it. She lived with her husband seven years. 
And the Lord called him home. The Lord called him home. And so I'm guessing that nobody ever gets married thinking that seven years later their husband is going to pass away. But this is what had happened in her life. And obviously she could have become a, she could have become a bitter woman. Have you ever met somebody who's bitter? Nobody? Let me ask a question. Loosen your shoes. You might want to kick them off under the pew. I won't tell anybody. Have you ever struggled with bitterness yourself? You see, Anna, she could have been real bitter about her situation. She could have complained to God about the fact that seven years after she had this hopeful relationship that would last a lifetime, that her husband was now gone. But what we see instead, look at verse 37, because in verse 37, the Bible tells us that as a widow for the past 84 years, now some believe she was 84 years of age. I believe she's older than that. I believe that that verse is talking about that she's been a widow for 84 years. It says she's a widow. Hey, by the way, let's not separate fellowship, whether you think she's 84 or I think she's about 100 years of age. It's not really what's important. I will say this as lovingly as I can because I never call ladies old. She was, she was mature. She had been around uh, for a while. Let's just say that. So what I see in verse 37 is she's a woman of hope. She's a woman of hope because verse number 7 says, look at it, it says that she departed not. She departed not from the temple. But what is she all about? Her life's all about serving God in fastings and prayers, night and day. So based on what I know, the very short passage of Scripture, by the way, we could have thrown out Anna, guys, yesterday when we were talking about who is wise in Scripture. What I know from a very couple short verses of Scripture is that it didn't matter through the trials, the hardship, the grief, all the pain that she had gone through. Inevitably, what it did, it drew her closer to God, not farther away. Oh, we have to be careful with this thing called hope. You see, when we hope on things of the world, they will leave us wanting each and every time. And I believe that the only reason that Anna could live a life of worship and devotion could be found in that one word, hope. A thrill of hope. We're talking about, the choir sang about today, it's found in hope. But we're really what I want us to see, and I'm, I'm so excited, I want you to see it with me. I want you to see what they actually did when hope was realized. I want you to see what these people did. You see, they lived a life of devotion. They were hopeful of the Messiah's coming. But what happened once that hope was realized? Look with me in Scripture, Simeon first in verse 28. Notice what the Bible says. It says, Then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, and verse, the following verses continue and tell us why. He said in verse 30, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before all the face of all people. So at the moment Simeon held, at the moment Simeon saw Jesus, all his hopes and dreams had come true. In other words, God who is exceeding abundantly above all that he could ever ask or think had come to fruition in his life. And so in that moment, his response is, watch this. He says, God, he said, let me die in peace. He says, let me, let me go now. I've been waiting all this time. And we have no clue how old Simeon is. He says, I've been waiting for your, for your son. 
And now that I've seen him, now that I've held him, now that I've given you the praise and the glory for what you have done, he said, let me depart in peace because I've seen your salvation. And your salvation is not only for me, but it's for all people. Oh, what a wonderful thing. When hope was realized in Simeon's life, he was ready to depart. He said, I don't need any more money. I don't need another job. I don't need anything else. He said, Lord, I just want to come. I just want to come and be where you are. I think about Anna, though. Anna, in verse 38, the Bible says that in that she coming in that instant. And, and so in my Bible, I have that underlined, and then I have an arrow up. The instant that the Holy Spirit reveals to Simeon that this is the Christ child is the same instant that Anna is told that this is the Christ child. And so in that instant, Simeon's holding up the baby Jesus and he's blessing God and he's saying, Lord, let me depart in peace for I've seen thy salvation. Listen, I've seen the Prince of Peace. Let me go. In that instant, Anna comes. The Bible says, look at verse number 38. And she gives thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So just as Simeon had done, she was enabled by the Holy Spirit to recognize the Son of God. Oh, listen, the long-awaited promised Son of God. And look, notice, notice what it says. Instantly she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. Her focus was not on Mary. Her focus was not on Joseph. Her focus was on the Lord. Amen? Oh, we have to be careful where we put our focus. I put in my notes at the moment, Anna recognizes that her long-awaited Messiah had come. All of her hopes, all of her dreams all of her biblical hope, all of her biblical dreams had come true. And what's amazing to me, and I'll be very gentle again, is that at her advanced stage of life, that's a nice way to put it, at her advanced stage of life, this is a woman who departed not from the temple, this is a woman who served God with fasting and prayers night and day, the Bible says. But what I know is that when hope was realized in Anna's life, notice what takes place in her life. Simeon says, Lord, let me depart in peace. I've now seen the Lord's Christ. I've now seen your son. I've now met the Prince of Peace. Let me depart in peace. Let me go, Lord. But Anna's response is very, very different. Notice what the Bible says here. In verse number 38, the Bible says that she immediately begins to witness no longer is she just fasting and praying. No longer is she hanging out in the temple. She never left the temple. The Bible says she never departed the temple, but she served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And when her hope is realized, guess what takes place? She literally leaves the temple. And the Bible says here in verse number 38 that she goes and she shares the hope of redemption through Jesus Christ, the Christ child, Emmanuel, God with us. With everyone, everyone who looked for redemption. Oh, what a wonderful thing to think in her life. Heaven came down. You ever, you ever sing that song? Heaven came down and glory filled her soul. And in that instant, she said, I got to go tell somebody about Jesus. And how appropriate the choir finishes by singing, go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. That Jesus Christ is born. I think about Peter. Peter shares 
the importance of our hope in 1 Peter in chapter 1 and verse number 3 and following is what he says. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy. Guys, you and I do not deserve mercy. We don't deserve anything. But Peter says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively or a living hope. By the resurrection, he says, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I love what he continues to describe. In verse number 4, he says, to an inheritance that's incorruptible. That's good news today. An inheritance that's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It fades not away. And it's actually reserved in heaven for you and for me and for all those who place their faith in the risen Savior of the world. That tiny baby who was born to die. He was born to die for you and for me. The Bible says that we have an incorruptible, undefiled hope. It fades not away. It's reserved in heaven for us. Verse number 5 of that passage says we're kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17, Paul, he's actually encouraging the church at Thessalonica and he was reminding them about the good hope that has been given to them through Jesus Christ. And in verse number 16 and 17 of the passage, here's what he says. He says, now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us. We talked about God's amazing love story last week. He said, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. He said, comfort your heart and establish you in every good work. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 that Jesus Christ is our hope. He's like an, he's an anchor for our soul. And the Bible says he's both sure and he is steadfast. Oh, what a Savior we have today. The psalmist writes in Psalm 146 and verse number 5, he says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Where's your hope this morning? I got news for you. If your hope is in some job, you may be surprised to find that that place of employment no longer needs you one day. There's one thing that I realized. Years ago, some of you know my military history in the Marine Corps and then transferring to the United States Army and then I was very blessed. God just had his hand on me and and I was able to retire as the senior producer of the United States Army Band Pershing Zone here in Washington, D.C. And and that was an amazing opportunity. I got to travel the world over. I got to work with people that I never imagined I'd ever work with. But do you know, I, I realized very quickly after I retired that they did not close the doors of the United States Army Band. I kind of thought they'd shut the whole thing down if I left. I thought, man, this thing's got to fold, right? You know what they did? They promoted some young upstart and he took my job and they kept on going. (laughs) You know how I felt? Wow, I thought I was doing big things. Oh, I was doing big things until I retired. And then they said, thank you. (laughs) If you're basing your hope on some job, I got news for you. Long after you retire, long after you resign, long after they're done eking out every ounce of life that you have to give them, 
Thank you, Jesus. They didn't get all my life. They will move on. If you're basing your hope in what you have, can I remind you, that's not guaranteed either. I think about the story of Job. You remember what took place with Job, right? Satan showed up at the staff meeting and asked God a few questions, and God says, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go away. And just like that, he lost all his possessions, lost his children, lost everything he had. And then not long after that, he lost his health. See, we have to be careful, guys, with this thing can, that we're talking about, the hope. We have to be reminded as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, not only should we be reminded of the greatest love story of all, but we must be reminded that hope is only available through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Simeon and Anna's day, much like the world today, there were many people sitting in the miry clay of sin and error. In fact, Paul, when writing to the church at Ephesus, alludes to this fact in Ephesians 2 and verse 12. He reminds us still that if we, were, if we are without Christ, we are without hope. No Christ, no hope is what he's essentially saying in this passage. So if you're here in this room, you're watching online and you say, Pastor, I've never realized the hope of heaven. I've never really understood that a tiny baby that was sent from the Father above came for me. I've heard the story of Christmas. I, I, I appreciate it. The music was nice and, and I hear this over and over, but I've never actually appropriated that love of God. I've never really made it personal in my life. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, I want you to know that Jesus Christ left the very portals of heaven, threw down his royal robes for you. He came to be your hope just as he came to be my hope. The reality is it doesn't matter who you are, what you have, where you've been, or what you've done. God's gift of love, joy, peace, and hope is just as much for you as it is for me as it is for anybody else. And so I beg you, I beg you to understand that hope given from God is not given because we deserve it, but because God's love declares it. I don't deserve hope. I don't deserve love. I don't deserve peace. I don't deserve joy. It's literally given to me because of God's amazing love. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. He gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the atonement for our sins. It's something that I couldn't do. The Bible says that while I was yet without, uh, while I was still steeped in sin, Christ died for me. He died for the ungodly. That's me. That's all of us if we're really honest with ourselves. So if you've never trusted Christ, I want you to know, listen, don't place your hope on the false hope of this world. Put your hope in the risen Savior of the world. And his name is Jesus. Think about Peter when Peter and John, they were being persecuted. Remember they were talking about Jesus and, and, and everybody in Jerusalem, they said, you guys need to be quiet. You need to quit talking about Jesus. You know what they did? They just kept on talking about Jesus. A little while down the road, we find out that they were some of those that turned the world upside down for the gospel. But in Acts chapter 4, and verse number 12, Peter said these words. He said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven. No other name except for the name of Jesus. 
whereby we must be saved. If you think you're saved based on your good looks, I got news for you. You may be good looking, but you're not that good looking. If you're basing your salvation on all the things that you have, remember, it can go away tomorrow. If you're basing your salvation on some church membership, let me tell you something. Being a Baptist ain't getting you to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. Now, I'm a Baptist because I believe doctrinally what the Bible has to say in this regard. But can I tell you? It doesn't matter whether you're a Methodist, a Baptist, Episcopalian, a Presbyterian. It doesn't matter if you say you're a Catholic or not a Catholic. It doesn't matter what you say you are unless you have Jesus Christ as the Savior of your life. You're, as Paul said, you're still without hope. I'd hate for you to leave this room. I'd hate for you to turn the channel or shut your computer down without Jesus. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10 reminds us that none of us are righteous. No, not one. None of us deserve heaven, which is why God had to send and give his only begotten son to die for my sins. The beautiful picture is that Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived three, 33 plus years. He never committed a sin. He died on that old rugged cross. Hey, by the way, I love that. The old account was settled long ago. He died on that old rugged cross. They didn't even have anywhere to bury him, so they buried him in a borrowed tomb. And the Bible says that three days later, he arose. He arose from the grave. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. He conquered an awful place called hell so that you and I would never have to go there. Praise the Lord. Amen? Man, what a wonderful bonus plan. Everybody's looking for the bonuses in life. Can I tell you there's a bonus right here in Scripture that says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Romans chapter 10 says that if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe on thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you know it's really that simple? It's really that simple. In fact, I can even make it more simple for you. Not that I made it more simple, but one verse of Scripture makes it really incredibly simple. And that's Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13. And it simply says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, isn't that good? Shall be saved. If you're here today, I'm not playing church. I'm being real serious now. If you're here today and you know a lot about Jesus, that's great. It's good to know a lot about Jesus. But if you don't know Jesus... You can know a lot about him and never know him. If you don't know him, if you don't have a personal relationship with him, I'm begging you with all that's inside of my being, I'm begging you to call upon the name of the Lord. Admit your, your need of a Savior and trust Christ today. Don't leave this room. Do not leave this room. Don't turn that computer off. Don't shut your TV off unless you have Jesus inside of your heart. If you're here today, you're watching online and you're a believer who's already experienced the thrill of hope in Jesus Christ that the choir sang about a little earlier, I want to challenge you to become more like Anna. She served God. She never left the temple. She was a woman who was committed to praying. She was a woman who was 
took her, took her relationship, her devotion to God very seriously. She was a woman of fasting and prayer. But when hope was realized in her life, the fastings and the prayers, they probably were still there. But what Scripture tells me is that when hope was realized in her life, as it is in the life of every believer, that this woman actually became a mouthpiece for Jesus. She, just like that song says, she went up to the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere of Jerusalem, the Bible says all those that looked for redemption in Jesus. She was the one that was telling them about Jesus. Can I tell you, if you're a believer, I beg you, we don't have a lot of time. You say, oh, are you prognosticating when Christ is going to return? No, I'm just telling you a reality of life. There's no one of us that have a blank check on tomorrow. The doctor might tell me my heart's okay today. That don't mean it will be okay tomorrow or even this afternoon. Oh, we have to be very careful of where we're placing our hope and our trust and our confidence. If you know Christ, I'm begging you, become more like Anna. And let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Oh, listen, the message and the hope of Christmas can only be found. Can only be found. In fact, can I just politely say this? Everything that you and I have ever needed, everything that you and I could ever possibly desire is found in one place. And his name is Jesus. Amen? His name is Jesus. And so I beg you to make this the best Christmas of all, the best time that you have ever had celebrating the birth of Christ by becoming that mouthpiece that's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because you understand that it is the power unto salvation to the Jew and the Gentile. It makes no difference where you come from. It's the power to all who place their faith in Christ. Oh, what a Savior. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for the opportunity to hear these wonderful songs sung by our choir. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to hear what your word has to tell us through the simple story of Simeon and Anna and their devoted lives of hope and how when hope was realized, it changed their perspective. It changed their lives. God, I just pray that you would continue to work in our midst. God, I pray that if there's somebody in this room that's never trusted Christ, that they would simply, right now, they would right now call upon the name of the Lord by simply saying, Jesus I, I, I know that I'm a sinner. Nobody had to tell me that. But Jesus, the best I know how at this time and at this place, I'm calling upon you as Scripture says. As the pastor read, I'm calling upon you for the forgiveness of my sin. I'm asking you to save me. I know that you died on the cross for my sin, so I'm asking you to be my Savior. I'm asking you to be my Lord and to begin to work in my life. Begin to grow me, grow my faith, put people around me that I might learn more about you and that I might walk in truth. Jesus, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for dying for me. I give you the praise for this. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.